This is Bruce Borkovich. I'm here with my friend Chris Long. And uh, Chris, probably a lot of people don't know you around here. You're a little newer to the area. Tell everyone who you are. Well, I'm a software engineer. I moved here seven years ago from the other side of the state. Uh, I had a job uh, in Grand Rapids, and I needed to be within an hour. And this was the furthest place I could go, right there on the river in Paris. And that's why I moved up here to fly fish and, and enjoy the weekends and things like that. Why did you move up here? You know, uh, <clears throat> my last job happened here. I started my life out as a teacher and a coach up in Everett. Good morning to the Everett people. And uh, then I was able to become a Michigan conservation officer, which was my dream. And uh, I did that for a career in 2006. I retired on a Friday, and the following Monday, I went to work for the Bayonet drug team. It was a state police narcotics team. I was there for seven years. I ended up being the assistant team leader on the drug team. And then I went from kicking doors down and pointing guns at people to the kind, gentler uh, atmosphere of Fair State University as the police chief. And so when that job opened up, you know, my wife and I were looking for that, uh, our, our final resting place, if you will, because we're a little older now. And uh, we knew the community. I had worked some in this community. It's a small town, liked the community, loved the resources, loved the, the, the county and the beauty and the agriculture. And uh, so we bought a farm and uh, this is where we are happily ever after. So you're on the river, you said? Yes, right our, there in, in Paris. Right there in the uh, on the river, off of Hoover, and so you can wade right in and fish. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can go halfway through before it gets too deep. Nice, yeah, nice. So I'm from the east side of the state, um, Lapeer area. Where are you from? Well, so we were kind of neighbors. I was from uh, uh, the east side of Flint, Flint Kersley, and I know that uh, back. A long time ago, we used to play against Lapeer, and then at a certain point in history, I know Lapeer grew and became East and West. Yes, uh, but I can remember when it was. Just, I went to East, just Lapeer. Okay, so yeah, we were in neighboring communities. I pheasant hunted a lot in Lapeer County. Oh yeah, and, there's a uh, lot of state game area. Yeah, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful area. So you and I kind of did the same thing. We kind of uh, got out of the city, got out of the urban areas, and and uh, we ended up. Uh, uh, where we want to be in an area we love. Where'd you go to school? Flint Kersley. No, well, yep. University. Oh, I went to Michigan State University uh, for my teaching degree. And then I uh, finished my master's degree at Ferris State in criminal justice administration. So uh, how about you? I went to U of M Flint and then I dropped out after three years. I've been writing code since I was 12. Had a first computer at six and... Uh, I knew way I knew way more than I than I was being taught at school, and it was kind of a waste. So I dropped out after three years, and I'm definitely paying for that. But <laughs> is is that has that hurt you in the job market? Not having no. the, the paper? No, uh, not at all. That's that's what I figured. You you and I have a lot of similarities and a lot of contrasts. If on a scale of one to ten, technology wise, if a rock is zero, I'm somewhere between a rock and a one. <laughs> And obviously, you're at the other end of the spectrum. So I think we'll have fun with that. Yeah. Uh, now, I've been uh, doing software for 15 years. I uh, did medical robot um, programming back in high school in 10th grade. I started out doing websites at 12 for people. So I've been doing this for a long time. Good. And don't forget, you're going to help me with my website, mister. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
maybe <laughs> there might even be a little gift certificate how much does it you. pay it, it, it pays whatever i need to pay to get it done right <laughs> so um so um <clears throat> why are we doing this you know that's that's the that's the question we're brand new to this have you ever done radio before no i i haven't either i've done I used to do an Ask the DNR uh, TV show uh, on public television, so I'm very familiar with being in front of a camera or on radio, but I've never officially done this. Why Why are you doing this? What's, what's in your head? Well, the whole last six months, I've met more people. Chris, what has gone on in the last <laughs> six months? Tell us. Well, if uh, you don't know, then you must be living under a rock, but it's quite clear that um, everything with the Goshen project and everything going on in the township and the county has definitely caused a buzz around town. And uh, that's kind of where I, I've met more people in the last six months, seven months than I have in the seven years I've been here. It's called, and it's caused the big rapids buzz. It has definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when I first met you, uh, I, I too, was involved in when that effort. When did we meet? I don't remember. Well, it would have been at one of the meetings, but I was so impressed that someone your age, because you're a lot younger than me, <laughs> is willing to get involved with, with you know, community affairs. Because so often younger people are, you know, they're having a family, they're building a career, or they tend to be indifferent or apathetic because of some of the, you know, political uh, climates that we've dealt with lately. Well, the but, whole the whole reason I got involved is because it goes against every reason why I moved up here. I was told by my realtor that this area, if you, because I had the job in Grand Rapids, and I told him, what does most people do? And he said, if you're, you're either a student, you're retired, you work at Ferris, or you work at one of the places around here, or you drive to Grand Rapids. That's what everyone does. And so he said, you'll just fit right in. And that's how it was seven years ago. And the place was never going to change, he said. And well, time, time has shown that not to be true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we all hope, or, or many of us hope, that things don't change. Things, you know, inevitably change, but uh, the change needs to be good change. Correct. And, uh, you know, I think natural change, natural change, change that's right for our community. Organic change, yeah, not a, a, stimulated. A, abs absolutely. And I think, you know, for some of the same reasons, that's why uh, why I'm here. Um, this has inspired me again. I, I've been here a little longer than you, but I met so many good people. And it was so inspiring to see what can happen at the grassroots level when people get involved. Because oh, it's amazing. We're it's all beautiful. very cynical anymore. And I was becoming politically very cynical. And then you see what can happen when people work together. And, you know, there were a lot of all us different from, talents and skills. Absolutely. Different backgrounds. This is textbook grassroots efforts that this we is, observe. This is what I call we the people stuff. It will that, be recorded in textbooks. Yep. And, and there, I, I guarantee you there will be TV shows made in the future or a movie made on what <laughs> happened here Chris, in the future who, who do you think will play me oh i have no idea yeah, let's, <laughs> let's work on that all right yeah we're gonna have uh, to think about that oh i got you know, i got some ideas for yeah, some people yeah, in this town. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i absolutely love this community i love uh the natural resources i love the nature of the small town and you know we're not in hicksville we have a uh 
enough to do around here, stores mm-hmm. and restaurants. And But mostly we have good friends and good people. And, oh, absolutely. And beautiful natural resources. And, and there's and tons of jobs openings still. There, I mean, there, there, there's absolutely. tons of jobs available right now. There are. There, there, there are things to do in this community. There are uh, options, you know, for younger people, for middle-aged and older people. Uh, it's, it's just a great community, and it's interesting because my perspective is probably a little different than yours. This is the last shot for my wife and I. We don't have the ability at our age and financially um, to just pick up and do it over again in another community we decide we like because we don't like something here. We bought a beautiful farm built a beautiful little log home we absolutely love it this is our this is our final resting place and uh, we really don't have uh the interest but really the ability to pick up and go i can get up and go at any time but i'm not going to i mean this is it first of all i can't get what i got here down there in grand rapids for anywhere near the price very true for an acre of land on the river down in Grand Rapids, you're talking almost a million dollars. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> I don't know how much uh, software engineers make, but uh, if it's, it's not as much if as it's, you think, if it's not, the, I guarantee it's more than a cop. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's probably. <laughs> I, I, I can guess that it, uh, that it might be more than a, uh, a police officer makes. But, uh, uh, do you do anything else in the outdoors? Are you, well, do you hunt or trap or anything I've always else? wanted to hunt, but I uh, before moving up here, I would come up to this area and fly fish. Yeah. I fly fish the Muskegon, fly fish the Pier Marquette, the Little Manistee. I spent so many weekends from 4th of July all the way through to the last weekend of the year in the cold, uh, fishing that Little Manistee River for the steelhead and the salmon and it was all catch and release. I never really um, wanted to keep it and eat it. I had no real purpose for that. But, but yeah, I, I was every weekend I would leave after class or after work. I would drive up 75, over on 10, over to Little Manistee. I'd sleep in my car in a tent go. all mm. weekend. That's what crazy fly fishermen do. <laughs> I used to be one. Nice. I, I fly fish. Did I you tie it. your own flies? There's something I did not. Oh. But there's something. And, but and we were just a buddy and I were just learning and just fishing for little stuff. We weren't hitting steelhead or salmon or anything. Uh, we were over on the north branch of the Osabo, mm. and we I've were never fishing been over there. The hatches and it was amazing. You'd drive all that way, spend all that money, wade in that river till almost dark and catch a, a eight or ten inch trout. And it was just like you won lottery. You know, it's like oh, yeah. uh, uh, you, you figured it when out. When you get a fish on that fly rod, it's pretty, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Cool. If you haven't fly fish, it's hard to understand. Yes. It is different than, mm-hmm. you know, traditional uh, fishing. So. Yeah. Especially with just a bar. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Well, you know, you and I had talked a lot, uh, a little bit about uh, my career. And, and uh, you know, what you had asked me, you know, what, what got me into that career and we grew up, you know, east side of Flint. So we weren't in the city. We were in the county. And Did you fish, fish the Flint River? <clears throat> oh, gosh, yes. My <laughs> brothers and I used to fish the Flint River and the Kersley Creek, a tributary mm, there. Yeah. And we used to sell or catch carp, and we used to sell them, which you can't do. We right. didn't know that as kids. Uh-oh. Uh, my brother, when we were little kids, caught a 27-and-a-half-inch smallmouth bass. Wow. Unbelievable. Put it in a five-gallon bucket, and the tail was sticking out eight, ten inches, ran it a mile home to show my dad, and he thought it was great. And he said, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. He said, go let it go. 
and uh, we ran it all the way back and let it go. But a 27 and a half inch smallmouth. Wow. Uh, I don't know what the state record is right now. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> what we, about the Holloway Dam? Oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. fished Holloway. I but did that we fished mostly the uh, Flint River and a Kersley Creek because we could either walk or bicycle mm. to it. And back then you could walk and bicycle yeah. uh, safely. But there is one, you know, I was the youngest of three brothers, and there is a story um, that kind of, kind of outlines you know some of my obsessions and my my drive uh, to protect the natural resources as a as a game warden and i was a little guy uh my parents built a place up on lake huron up uh, north of oscoda in greenbush beautiful just fantastic we spent most of our summers up there and uh <clears throat> i was the youngest of three boys and i'm gonna guess at this time i was maybe seven and I do know that across, I was obsessed with critters, snakes and bugs and turtles and, and uh, salamanders and anything that crawled. It drove my mom crazy, a poor lady. And I was just obsessed with it. And I knew enough. I was a sneaky little guy, too. Mm. I, if I had something in my, I wasn't a bad kid, but I, if I had something in my head, I was sneaky. And I knew across US 23, so we're on the lakeside, US 23, across with huge cedar swamps. And one day, mom, dad, all, dad was probably working on the place. Mom was out with us kids. We're on the beach swimming, doing things. And I snuck away in nothing but my swim trunks. Again, probably seven years old. And I made it across US 23 without getting hit. Went into the swamp. I had a little uh, plastic bucket that my little sisters had for making sandcastles and I started ripping up logs and finding salamanders oh. I found Jefferson salamanders I found tiger salamanders I found spotted salamanders anything you could imagine to find in a cedar swamp in northern Michigan I found it was unbelievable I was just if if they had a lottery back there and I just won 500 million I wouldn't have been happier than what I found <clears throat> So, and I lost all track of time. Well, by this time, I think, you know, my mom had five kids. I was a middle son. So, you know, I think maybe she thought, ah, losing one would be easier to have another one than to lose this one. You know, if I lose them, I lose them. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, with five kids, I had a wonderful mother. But, you know, and anyhow, I realized, oh, something's not right. I've been gone a while. So I make my way back, and I come up to the uh, cottage as she's coming up the driveway and she looks at me, and her eyes get big as coffee cups. And, and she, oh, my goodness. And, and she's, she's crying. And I'm like, Mom, I'm okay, you know. And What and time she, of night was this? Was no, no, this is the middle of the day. Oh, okay. Hot, hot summer day. Okay. Well, <clears throat> she takes me in the house, and she starts brushing me. And I look, and I'm covered in blood. And I was out in the swamp with Alcona County Boone and Crockett mosquitoes. Oh. I was so stupid as a kid. I mean, you talk <laughs> about room temperature IQ would have been a gift for me. That would have been really, <laughs> really overshooting things. And I was so obsessed with what I was doing that I had no idea. So my mom got me in, got me in a bathtub. They used to make stuff called witch hazel. For our I listeners, you do. probably, maybe they still make it. I'm yes. sure some of our listeners are nodding their heads right now <laughs> she ran some bath water put a whole thing of witch hazel in there and started cleaning me well my two older brothers came in by then and you know the looks they used to give me you know just stand there 
shake their head, big eyes shaking their head like, you know, how, how does this little guy live? How is he alive every day? And then they started counting. I had 81 mosquito bites. 80, Any ticks? 80. Nope. There weren't ticks back then, Chris. I don't. What? Not. Never saw a tick in Michigan till 10 years ago. Really? And no ticks, but 81 mosquito bites. And I'm telling you, those mosquitoes up there were aggressive. I but, went up to the Porcupine <clears throat> Mountains back, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago. And those mosquitoes, oh, up there, yeah. those are like pterodactyls. Those, those are, are evolved, they're okay? Angry. They're not your average they're, ter- uh, mosquitoes. They, <laughs> they they are angry. What you'll We'll find out as the show goes on in weeks and we start talking, uh, really getting into some of the undercover stuff I did. That obsession that I had, that single-minded obsession is what made me pretty good at what I did. It wasn't intelligence. It still isn't. But but to well, make what, some of the cases I, I what made. What you lack, I guess I make up for. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Any any uh, uh, stories uh, that kind of from your childhood that kind of shaped you? Putting you on the spot here, uh, Having a computer at six years old, my mother wanted, um, my, my father was a garbage truck driver. My mother stayed at home. Um, nobody really in my family um, was into technology, but my mother really wanted me uh, to learn and understand the computer. So I remember sitting on my mother's lap uh, back in the days of dial-up in the 90s, sitting there and sh- her showing me the computer. And at six, I had my own and and I was modifying video games and all that stuff way back then. And that's wow. so you were born of, with an aptitude. Oh yeah, I yeah. guess I were yeah. molded to to yeah. it. I guess, but I've what, always been into technology. What year were you born? Nineteen ninety four. Oh goodness gracious! <clears throat> okay, um, twenty nine. I, I turned thirty I, in I've January. Got, I've got blue jeans older than you. <laughs> Matter of fact, I might have them on. Uh, it's a good thing this isn't television. Uh, uh, wow, that's but I think that's what's when really. When were you born? Be, I was born. <clears throat> oh, did the listeners have trouble hearing that? <laughs> I was born in 1958. Oh, at a, and it was an amazing time to grow up. We talk about uh, my my wonderful parents, the most caring, loving, responsible parents you can imagine. But we'd take off my brothers and I for the whole day. And sometimes we go come eight, on. Eight or exactly eight or ten miles away to fish to do what we're doing, and my parents, you know, community uh, people looked after each other. They protected children. Uh, we didn't have the predators. Uh, That's not what we uh, had around. Uh, it was a lot different, and you know, it, it was a, a time of interesting contrast. And some of the listeners will uh, will get this because it was a wonderful idyllic time to grow up. In contrast, when with did the, that all with, change with the Vietnam War? Um, <clears throat> Boy, it, 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 it's, it's insidious. It doesn't just change. It isn't a light switch. Was it the 80s it just, or 90s? Changes. Oh, I would say... It can't be the 80s. Probably more than 90s yeah. and, the, and the 2000s. And to be honest with you, you know, technology caused some of the change. And you probably, probably understand yeah. that. Oh, Social media and, yeah. and technology. But the, it was an amazing time to grow up. We had this perfect world, and then we had the Vietnam War. Yeah. And 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 uh, I remember after the Detroit riots, my dad loaded us up in the car and we drove through there in Detroit, uh, not the Vietnam, the Detroit riots. And we drove through and it looked just like what we we're seeing on Viet, uh, in Vietnam on the news every night. Mm. Burning, ruined buildings, smoldering. I mean, it was it was just amazing. So we we're in that 
time where it was such a wonderful time to grow up, but we also had, uh, you know, the, the Vietnam War and protests and some of the racial issues. So it was a, there was a, you a grew up and in Flint, there. though. And Eastside. And so, okay, yeah. 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 I, my, my parents grew up in uh, Roseville and East Detroit. Oh, yeah. East Detroit High School. Yep. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah. They, my dad told me stories about that happening back then. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great time to grow up. Uh, it's tough right now. I have three grandkids, so it's uh, it's a lot different. So, Bruce, how did you go from kicking doors down on the drug team <laughs> to being a chief at Ferris? <laughs> Those are about two ends of the spectrum yeah, right there. Yeah, uh, I, I know that in my seven years there, we did some math, and we figured I was in on executing uh, over 300 search warrants. And I went there. How many years were you there? Seven years. Seven years. I ended up the assistant team leader. There to Ferris, to the kinder, kinder gentler atmosphere uh, at a university, and yeah. university policing. And that was, uh, that was uh, a, a big transition, uh, a, a big uh, a change of pace. But, you know, five, six months uh, into the job, uh, we had a shooting. Uh, oh. One of the students was shot just across the street from uh, campus on and, campus or uh, well just across the street oh. and uh three or four in the morning and oh, it, wow. the shooter was an unknown we just had one a few months ago didn't we <clears throat> no well there was yeah actually someone did get a ricochet i think oh. on, on something but this was an intentional shooting it wasn't someone just firing a gun off they you know pointed a gun and shot at the guy and oh my god and uh and so what was nice is many many years of other law enforcement Man, I went, you know, was able to go right to work, and uh, I know within uh, less than 24 hours, we had a completely unknown shooter, um, uh, unknown to everyone in custody. He was uh, uh, actually a high-level uh, gang member from Detroit, and he ended up hiding and holding up in an apartment uh, on campus. We had him in custody, so so I was get tested under fire, and I got lucky. But boy, it sure made me look good. But uh, navigating, you know, uh, law enforcement on a campus is 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 you know, the old saying like a man handling a dove: you squeeze too tight, you smother it; you hold too loose, it flies away. And uh, um, everyone on campus wants to be safe; they want to be kept safe, but. You know, heavy-handed law enforcement, aggressive law enforcement, usually doesn't really go over real well on a campus. So, so uh, keeping people safe, making them feel safe, and and you know, not being too aggressive or heavy-handed was really that balance. How long did you do that for? I was uh, almost eight years. Wow. Yep, came in thirteen and what retired. Uh, uh, this would be three years this month. Right that, before the pandemic. Yes. Oh. Yes. Lucky me. Yes. Like how long before the pandemic? Well, it, it had just started. Oh. And, uh, and I retired in, in November, and things were just starting to go. So. How was the pandemic for you? Uh, for me, well, it, it wasn't bad because I left that position. It would have been much more challenging. I mean, it started. I had to deal with it. Uh, and, you know, interestingly enough, I used to have to do a tabletop ex exercise every year uh, for all the administra many administrators on campus. And we did one several years prior to that on a pandemic oh really <laughs> yeah it's an emergency preparedness exercise so wow uh, so we did that um but i was able uh, the pandemic for me was you know not a real big thing because i got i retired just as it was really cranking up so yeah i, I worked from home for almost two years <laughs> and and has that 
that has probably remained to a certain extent, right? Uh, somewhat. I mean, before the pandemic, we were not allowed to work from home. After the pandemic, now it's more lenient. A certain number of days they work from home. Uh, it's much better now that I have faster internet. Tri-County Electric came through with their um, aerial fiber, and so now I have... 21st century internet. When I moved here, I had slower than dial-up speeds. It was oh, ridiculous. Oh, for your job, that's a must. Oh, yes. I was on satellite because I got fed up with the the satellite that um, they, the wireless solution that they had when I moved here. Uh, I, I bought the house and not thinking about, I figured it's 2016. You, you'd have modern <laughs> internet. Oh, I don't know why, why and what the problem was. Uh, I quickly figured that out and... That kind of is the root cause of everything of what happened this year of why I got involved, really, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, then I in, in 2020, I got uh, Viasat satellite, and that was... It worked. It, it was okay. It, it got the job done, but there was a two-second delay and try to have a business meeting with a two-second delay. Yeah. And it's two seconds for them to hear my voice and two seconds for them for me to hear their response yes. to it so that's four seconds delay yeah, yeah. and mm. they've already moved on to yeah. the subject matter and you're still hearing what they said four seconds ago yeah right on yeah so yeah. what kind of internet do you have um <clears throat> we may have ended it today uh i don't know can i say business uh on the air oh, well, i already I have, did by i have accident. what's called AT at&t first net and it's actually an internet for uh, police officers and emergency first responders. Oh, really? Yeah, and I st am still deputized in two counties. Oh, really? Uh, so I'm still technically Which a police officer, uh, Clare County and Isabella County. Oh. And I was uh, a fill-in uh, uh, for a police position at MidMichigan Community College. They have daytime uh, deputies that are, are there. Now, uh, I haven't done it here for a while because gas prices got so high it didn't make sense for what yeah. i was making to drive two hours a day to go do that what do you think about the gas prices oh it's 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 crazy uh, it's uh you know it's like uh like novocaine when you get the shot you know you're getting a shot but then what was the gas prices when you were growing when you first got your first car oh, i remember we called them gas wars they call it gas wars because the stations would get worse i can remember uh 199 21.9. Those are pennies. Yeah. 19.9. Nine, 21.9. Cents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. never seen that. The yeah. closest I've gotten is with the Westco rewards and getting down to seven cents per gallon. But that was after a lot of rewards. A lot of rewards. Yeah. <laughs> no, these were, this were no promotions. These were, you know, the gas wars would go on. This station would go to 22.9. This one would go to 21.9. And I do remember uh, 19, uh, 19.9. And back then we drove muscle cars. We drove cars that drank a lot what of gas. What kind of muscle car did you have? Uh, I had a 70 old Cutlass W31. It was their, uh, their real high performance 350. Uh, and uh, it was a cool car. I had several Oldsmobiles, but it was a great car. I was kind of a motorhead. My dad uh, was supposed to be my first car, but then 2008 happened. But we had a 1971 uh, Mach 1 uh, Ford uh, Mustang. Mustang. Oh, Yellow, great car. Just like the, that uh, movie. I forgot what movie it was, but it, it got hit by a train in the movie at the end. Oh. We sold it to the director. 
oh. of that show. But we needed the money because of 2008. 71, or, uh, 71 was pre-smog. In 1973 is when all the federal restrictions came on for pollution control, yeah. smog control, we call it. And the horsepower just fell yeah. down to the basement. But in 71... What was your first was car? The first car yeah. was an old Cutlass. It wasn't uh -huh. a hot rod. It was just a, a old Cutlass. And I'll never forget it because my then girlfriend, who is now my beloved wife, Vicky, in one of our early dates, told me that the turn signal was annoying. <laughs> and she was the sweetest, Why? nicest. She still is. She's the sweetest, nicest woman I've ever been around. And I, I, I couldn't believe it because it was so unlike her that she told me that the turn signal bothered her the the yeah so but uh i ignored that and uh i didn't get mad at her <laughs> so <clears throat> what uh happened what did covid do to you what uh you know work-wise obviously some, some so working at home but in january of 2020 i was supposed to go to california and the week before going to california for a business trip we had a uh event um, a corporate event uh, at a restaurant and uh, one of the um, it was on a Wednesday and one of the the higher-ups of the company came back uh, and was kind of sick and he came to the event he just got off the plane the day before it was kind of like a buffet style and this was in January when we really didn't know what was going on and we really didn't hear about anything and and the guy came back and he was sick and he went to the event and the next thing we know well, we were joking around with him. He's like, "Oh, where you came from?" He came from Wuhan, China. It was just mm. on a, on a, on a trip, and uh, came back. And we had that dinner. And the uh, that Friday, two days later, um, I went into work, and uh, I was fine in the morning. And around noon, I drove back from Grand Rapids all the way here with the windows down in January. I felt like I got hit by a truck. Yeah. It just hit me. And I went to the urgent care, and they said, uh, we don't know what you got. It's just a flu. a flu. You just got the flu. There was no COVID test. There wasn't any of that stuff. And uh, I went home, and I just went about my day. But I was sick for a month. I lost my voice for a month. Um, and they just kind of blamed it on the flu. But I, I still had energy. I wasn't... The, the first two days was bad, but I went out and did karaoke mm -hmm. that, that Saturday. Karaoke? <laughs> oh, Chris, I'm finding out more and more about you all the time. You're a crooner. <laughs> right, what are the chances of you singing some songs oh, no. during Big Rapids Buzz? No, none. none oh, my zero. goodness. I haven't done that what in a long time. What if we bring time. a bottle of bourbon in here and get you maybe, loosened up a little maybe bit? Maybe we have to do that. Wow. Go rum, ahead. rum, rum, rum. Would be better. Go ahead. I didn't no, mean to interrupt. I just didn't know you're a crooner. <laughs> so... So we, uh, I, I was supposed to go to um, San Francisco, and, and we didn't. And the other guy uh, took my place, and he went on the plane there. And uh, that was that Monday he left. And uh, he got there, uh, and he started getting sick on the plane. And, but he still did the, the business event. And when he came back, on the flight, he landed in, he did a transfer on the way back to, in Atlanta. The first case was announced in San Francisco. No kidding. Yes, where he was. You're kind of like, okay. you're, you're no. close to Typhoid Mary. <laughs> <clears throat> and then, then he landed back here in Grand Rapids. And then the second case or, or the next couple cases was down in Atlanta. 
Yep. Okay. And so it's kind of weird. And then what I remember is everybody up here got sick right after I got sick. Yep. I remember the gas station you're, getting sick, people at the bar getting sick. Maybe it's my you're fault. The I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> Chris, did you have sex education in high school? <laughs> I did. Back when we did, do you remember they talked about the young lady who contracted something and then, you know, went on a date with this person and got to know this person and et cetera, et cetera. You could be maybe the, the, the typhoid I Mary never of got COVID. COVID though. When I I I did tests and never got COVID the whole time. Other, maybe I assume in January that was that probably, was COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had it a couple times, I, but I think no we were deal. sick before that. Back in November, uh, my father passed away uh, from a heart attack, but he was sick with some bug the three weeks prior to his really? death, really? and then yeah. everyone was sick at the funeral. So I, we it was I I have no idea. But anyway, that that pandemic, we uh, we got to work from home. It was awesome. Yeah, you know, and and, and that has been boy. There's a there's a show in itself. You know, uh, the the good and bad of that. Because as a former educator, uh, you know, I've taught at the university level, but I was educated, you know, uh, for middle school and elementary school and some high school. And you know, the the thought of remote learning for kids uh, drives me crazy. And as a fundamentalist educator. Uh, it's terrible. And I understand, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to a certain extent, I mean, I could, we could get into the COVID debate. Uh, I, I understand to a certain extent, a lot of it, I don't understand and agree with. Uh, I wonder sometimes when we try to manipulate mother nature, I wonder sometimes if we don't prolong things, uh, an example right now is chronic wasting disease in deer and the state with good intentions, outlawed baiting yeah. so that you don't have nose-to-nose -nose contact. But that is a uh, protein that lives in the soil. Mother Nature put it there. Mother Nature intended for it to run through a bovine population. And what happens is those animals with a natural immunity or with a, uh, a good enough uh, 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 constitution to fight it reproduce and produce other uh, offspring that have those traits. So I, I just wonder sometimes when we try to manipulate these things, oh, uh, sure. uh, with, with, with the, uh, crazy mask requirements and, and, uh, shutting down schools and shutting down works and everything. Are we actually potentially prolonging it? Well, Mother I, Nate, anytime this, you try to man, try to prevent something, you're either delaying it or making something work. You, the same are. thing goes back to fishing. Back a long time ago, it was like in the sixties, there was an alewife bloom oh, and absolutely. it hurt the Michigan, uh, recreation on the lakes. All these alewives would bloom on the on the yep. beaches, and so what they do, they had planted a solution. Salmon. They planted salmon, exactly. Oh. And so then the salmon, and that created a whole industry it up did. in Manistee. Yeah. And all these people and the, came along, and the alewives and, were saltwater fish. They came in through the St. Lawrence mm -hmm. Seaway, came to our fresh waters, and didn't live long. Yeah. And our cottage up on Lake Huron, it was unbelievable. They'd come in and. If you walked on the beach, you'd slip and slide in dead alewives. Yes. And then, as you said, uh, the state introduced salmon. The yeah. salmon gorged themselves oh, on they did. alewives. So, but the but, whole industry was built around that. And then the alewife population was solved by yeah. the salmon eating them. And it took a little while, but that population dropped down, and then it hurt the industry. If you go back up to Manistee during salmon season, it's not like it used to be. There used to be people shoulder to shoulder, oh, like so close. Now they're they're there, but it's nothing like it used to be. Right. And all those businesses, those people that opened up bait and tackle shops, they're closed down, or the 
the cabins that people bought land and built cabins for that recreation is just you go up to brethren it's not the same as it used Absolutely. to and, it, and i remember back in 2013 uh we had that really bad winter and it just has not recovered that yeah. salmon population yeah. has not recovered mm-hmm. since then it's never been the same yeah yeah yep well if you uh, would like to sponsor our program get a hold of jen theodore at 231 231- Seven nine six one one zero three. We're looking for sponsors, and the neat thing about being a sponsor is Chris and I are going to have you on the show. Absolutely, we're going to talk about what you do, your business, how long you've been here, what you have to offer, why Big Rapids, why, uh, and and so it's uh, it's really a great opportunity for you to come in and tell the community about what you have to offer. But we also want to meet our neighbors. We want to learn more about the community as. I've learned a lot about the community in the last six months, more than the last seven years. Right on. What about you? As far as... Uh, Learning more about your community. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Chris... How many, I, have you met more people in the last six months, seven months, than you have the entire time you I, I don't here? know about that because I've been a public official. I've been a police chief. So I, I was pretty connected. But I can tell you in the last six months, I've met a bunch of new people. I met you. Yeah. And I, the odds are, had we not both been involved... Yes in preserving this county in our fight uh, you know, against uh, Goshen, you and I would never meet. You and I don't run the same circles. Yeah. And so we probably never would have met. And we'll leave you with this. Everything happens for a reason. There you go.